That's all I'm going to say about that. And I, I, I grew up. Yeah, when I get older, I, I still don't know what I'm going to do for a living. When I grow up, I'm going to be a... Whatever. I grew up in the Catholic Church. And in, in the Catholic Church, there's priests, there's bishops, there's cardinals, and some of the bigger cardinals are sort of focus children. And I heard this conversation from these four Catholic moms. And they were kind of bragging on one another, and the first mom said, well, my son's a priest. And when he comes into the room, everybody says, hi, Father. The second mom said, well, my son's a bishop. And when he comes into the room, they say, you're great. The third mom said, my son is a cardinal. When he comes in the room, they say, you're only and of course, my said, well, my son is 6'2", has broad shoulders, and impeccable features. So when he comes into the room, all the girls say, oh my God. But my, my message this morning fits uh, into what Reese has been talking about going through Nehemiah, and particular prayer, I know that next week he's going to pick up on that again, prayer and spiritual battle. Uh, my message came, out, came about because uh, of a family crisis. The Lord's been working on this for me for some time. And um, somebody has said concerning uh, my love, and the, the more people that you have claims for this person, the better. And there's something that was provoked within me. And whether that was of God or that was just my own nature is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is it made me think a little bit more about prayer. And I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. And Lord, I want to thank you that you are very, very real. That you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is none like you. None. There is no other God besides you. And I thank you, Lord God, that you have each of us here today for your purposes. God, I pray that we have ears to hear, eyes to see, in a heart that truly receives, I pray for that humility in all of us today, for your glory, that we would know you more in Jesus' name. So, the, the title today is, His Interest or My Interest. And this comes out of Matthew 16, beginning with verse 15. Matthew 16, verse 15. This is where he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Because Jesus had asked the disciples, Who do the people say that I am? 
Some say Jeremiah. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. But then he goes to his disciples and says, well, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That's called a revelation. And if you are a believer, God desires to give you and I revelation. And then you turn to verse 21. From that time, Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Now, Peter, Peter's feeling pretty good because he had a revelation and his colleagues did not. Peter is a really interesting character. Because Peter takes Jesus aside in verse 22, and he begins to rebuke him. Now, he just has a revelation that he's the Son of God. But he's rebuking him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine Jesus looking at you and saying, saying, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man. My first question is, as we move along here, is when we pray, whose interest do we seek? There's either God's interest or man's interest. You want to move to the next screen? You want to move to the next screen? There it is. Now, I didn't draw that. It's a lot better than what I would have done. Mine would have been a sick man. But when we pray, this is my observation. I'm a strong advocate of prayer. Have I arrived? By no means. Do I pray unceasingly? By no means. But this is what I've observed in my own personal life and in the church. Is that a lot of times we pray about the possibility. What if this happens? We're concerned about consequences. And so we pray, not looking at the middle of Jesus Christ, but about possibilities. And I think a lot of times our prayers are generated by anxiety and fear. On the other side, it's that we pray selfish prayers. Now, when I have a loved one that's hurting, I'm hurting. So, I can have what I call protective love. Not only do I want to do something, I want that pain in my loved one to go away, so then it'll go away in my life. It's a selfish type of prayer. And in both of these scenarios, what I am doing is I'm asking Jesus, will you come and watch with me? And the thing about selfish prayers is that a lot of times we want to be in control. 
There's an element of control in each of us. But I have observed many times that some people really operate in a controlling desire or a controlling spirit. They want to fix it. Or they want God to fix it. So we pray as God fixes. And again, we're inviting Jesus, please come and watch with me. But when we look at the middle, when we're truly focused on Jesus, when you're in the way, you're looking at the way. You have the Holy Spirit in you, you can look at Jesus. Jesus wants to make himself more real to each of us. And when we're looking at Jesus, we're wanting to hear what he has to say. We're saying, Lord, invite me into what you're looking at. Help me to watch with you concerning the situation or the person that you're concerned about. In John 12, 26, this is what Jesus was talking about. Unless the seed falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And later on, he goes on to say that whoever serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, that's where my servant will be. He didn't say that where you are, that's where I'll be. The principle of this in prayer is wherever Jesus is at, whatever he's looking at, he wants you to be there. And this is for everybody. If you are a believer, you can and you should be hearing Jesus' voice. And a lot of times, he's talking to the circumstances of our lives. So, do we really know how to pray? In Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27, the Apostle Paul says this, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. I answer that question very quickly. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the things according to the will of God. What I have learned in my life is I tend to pray out of my paradigm. My paradigm is that square box that I live in. And that square box is made up of my experiences and my revelation from the Lord. Now, Peter was with Jesus several years. He saw, he saw people raised from the dead. He saw other miracles. Peter had a revelation that Jesus was the Son of God. But Peter responded out of his paradigm and rebuked Jesus. My question is, is when we're praying, are we rebuking Jesus? Whose interests are we pursuing? Now, a lot of times when somebody says, I pray that God will heal me. I want you to know something. I don't know if that's a priority for Jesus Christ. God can heal somebody, and that person can be a worse devil than what he was before he was healed. If Jesus doesn't touch, touch his heart and put his character in that person. 
when I was talking to Pastor Bruce about this and that loved one, uh, that kind of a revelation didn't. I, I, I guess I understood this before, but I God was making it more clear that as we pray for that loved one in our lives, that it's just not that loved one that God is working on. Because what I saw is this loved one's spouse turning to the Lord. See, our circumstances and who we are praying for is only a small part of the puzzle. We don't comprehend everything because even if you do have a revelation, Peter had a revelation, but just a small part of the puzzle. It didn't dawn on, or Peter didn't even hear, he didn't understand Jesus say, I will be raised on the third day. All he heard was, I'm going to be killed by the Pharisees. But there's more to the picture. And we don't understand it all. You, you, you do have a revelation. What are we looking at? Man's interest or God's interest? If you're looking at God's interest, you've got to be looking at Jesus Christ. Does God always hear our prayers? First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. You husbands... Likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way. It's with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman. And grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The whole point of this, there's a principle here. It's not only how husbands treat their wives that will determine whether or not their prayers are being hindered. Um, if the wives will treat their husbands with respect and do what Jesus says they're supposed to be doing in their relationship with their husbands. But that principle goes beyond that relationship. This principle is talking about attitude. If you are coming to work being a grump, you're irritable, and you're treating people the wrong way. Do you really expect your prayers to be heard? I think one of the biggest problems in the church is unforgiveness. Because we rationalize it. Well, I'm just irritated with this person. I, I'm, just, I'm just upset with this person. I forgive him. But he irritates me so much. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just angry with that person just for a short while. So you rationalize unforgiveness, we use euphemisms, we substitute the word unforgiveness with other things. Well, I'm just really curious. This is the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. How effective are our prayers? Are we right with other people? Are we right with God? Our prayers, are our prayers, are they really being heard if we have bad attitudes and unforgiveness? What about obedience? I was kind of thinking about this when I was writing this, but I grew up with a, uh, another person my age, in my grade, and we, we played baseball. We caught, played catch all the time, and 
we went through all the little leagues into high school baseball, and I liked the best breakfast for 20 years after I graduated. I don't know, one day that came to mind, and I, I knew the Lord. And I wrote my old friend who hadn't talked since high school a letter apologizing for me stealing his book, basically, that's what it was. I wasn't thinking about that when I did it. And so I found that letter with somebody uh, apologizing. I, I never heard anything back from but that's not the point. The point is that when you obey the Lord, you shouldn't be looking for results per se. You should be looking at Jesus Christ and being obedient to Him. Because if you're not obedient, when the Lord is telling you to do something, what makes you think that your prayers are being heard? And I, and I think one of the biggest problems in the church is being reconciled. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 24, Jesus is saying basically this. When you come to Community Bible Church to worship, you're given an offering to the Lord, and there you remember that somebody has something against you. Put your offering down. Seek that person out and go apologize. You may be right, you may be wrong. That's not the point. Sometimes we can be right but wrong. I have tried to do that many times. But you know what the obstacle is? It's called pride. I don't want to die to myself here. It's such a huge obstacle that in the church, we would rather rationalize our behavior than do what Jesus is asking us to do in terms of being reconciled with the brother or sister. And if you do not, I don't believe that your prayers are being heard. You can't obey the Lord on this point. I'm not so sure that your prayers are being heard. This principle in here is talking, is talking about our relationship with one another. It's like what comes to mind is Jesus is saying, how can you say that you love, love me when you're not loving your brother whom you see? I want to put one caveat here. You know, Sometimes we think that we need to go apologize to somebody about an attitude we have, and they have no clue. If you have that attitude, don't do it. You're going to dig a worse hole than what what your mind thinks exists. That's between you and the Lord. I'm not talking about, you know, we can all be insensitive. And then you get this guilt thing, and you think that you need to go apologize to somebody. You may or may not. A lot of times, it's just between you and the Lord. For me, personally, when the Lord's really pointing out a relationship problem, it's typically when I'm worshiping, when I'm praying, or reading the Word. And it's, it's, it's something that doesn't go away. So yes, our prayers can be hindered. Is it going to be my interest or God's interest? What prayers does God hear? 
You know the Bible says that the heart is the part of you that thinks. The brain and the mouth express within the heart. In Matthew 15, verse 19, Jesus says, For out of our heart come evil thoughts. So, if evil thoughts come out of the heart, that means other thoughts can come out of the heart. Romans 10, verses 9 through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes. A lot of times when I pray, it's because I've heard of something. I've heard of something. Somebody's talking about something. Or I've read about it. Apple Chambers says this. Those prayers that spring from the mind, he doesn't hear God hears. And this is the reason. Because Jesus Christ came to address the issues of the heart. And sometimes what's in the heart can't adequately be expressed through your brain and your mouth. That's why going back to Romans 8, the read Things are too deep for words. That's why you have groanings and signs. Sometimes your groanings and signs can be more effective in prayer than the words of your mouth because they're coming from your heart. Jesus came to resolve the questions and the issues of our heart. The Message Bible, Psalm 145.18 says, God there listening for all who pray, for all who pray and mean it. I don't believe that our prayers really have meaningful impact unless they're coming from the heart. And I'm like everybody else. I love praying the same prayer. But God is near to the broken hearted. That's what it says in Psalm. God is near to the broken hearted. But when you're desperate, when your heart is broken, He's right there. He loves you. Because whatever your signs and groanings and concerns are, they're coming from your heart. Humility. God hears prayers when we come to Him with humility. In Matthew 18, verses 3 to 4, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted to become my children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So if that is a prerequisite for getting into heaven, so to speak, what about our prayer? He's saying that you are you are converted in your home, but you're the greatest. What about your prayers when you approach his throne with humility? First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And the throne is the throne of grace. That's what it says in Hebrew. That we go there to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need. Check your heart when you're coming before the throne. Are you there in humility? Now, you can go there with anger. It doesn't mean that you're proud. You're upset. You can speak it up because you know your thoughts. 
Be honest with the Lord. But walk there in humility. It's almost a guarantee that when you come before the throne of grace and you are humble, you'll get great. He's opposed to God. He gives grace to the humble. The listening type of prayer. What type of prayer does it hear? The listening type of prayer. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know they are doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. And Jesus addressed that in Matthew chapter 6 when he talked about meaningless repetition. What's that, Lord? I, I prayed that yesterday the same way, that whole list. Just meaningless repetition. Okay, I'll just say ditto. Here, ditto. It's okay to pray for the same people that God has placed in your heart. But examine what you're praying about. What you looking at? Are, are your prayers driven by the what if? Or are they selfish? Or are you looking at Jesus? A lot of times when I'm reading the Word, and I do have a concern about somebody, Jesus is talking to me through the Word. And I apply that Word to that person. A lot of people say that God speaks to them when they're walking through the world, when they're walking by a river, when they're out in nature. That's times of solitude and prayer. And you don't really have an agenda. You're just enjoying God's beauty. And a lot of times God will speak to you about a particular circumstance or person. These are listening prayers. I can say a lot of things, but my prayers are more effective when I hear Jesus Christ talking to me about somebody. This is, this is what I want you to pray for that person. And there's been a number of different times in my life where I have questioned my faith. How effective are my prayers? A number of years ago, I shared this before, when my wife had a brain tumor and an aneurysm where there's only three physicians in the world that would even attempt to get at the aneurysm so deep in the brain, and one of them was as a male. And many people were giving me advice at that time. It was sincere. They were giving me scripture. It was sincere. But a lot of times I felt that the, that the responsibility was on me. And as I was reading in Acts chapter 3, verse 16, the Lord spoke to me. This is where Peter and John were on their way to the temple for prayer. And then they met a man who had been born disabled from birth. And Peter and John gazed at him and said, Silver and gold have I known, but such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And that created a lot of discussion at that point because people thought they had been a miracle. But uh, Peter says this. 
and on the basis of faith in His name. It is the name of Jesus that has strengthened this man. And the faith which comes through Him has given him this perfect help in the sight of you all. The point is, it's the faith which comes through Him. When you look at Jesus Christ, your faith is operating. You're not concerned about the what if or the selfish prayers. You're, you're concerned about what Jesus is saying. And when you look at Him, faith is operating. You're inspired. I was thinking about this loved one, and, 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 and I thought, there's something missing. And that thought wasn't really my thought. It was Jesus Christ giving me a little bit of a revelation about this circumstance. Now, I want, I want to emphasize again, if you're a believer, you have Jesus Christ in your heart, He talks to you. Don't be so astounded that He would give you insight into something. That should be the norm. You're a child of God. My sheep will hear His voice. And so, I was looking at this situation, and the more I looked at it, the more down I got. I thought, well, I'll keep on looking at it. And I didn't feel good about it at all. You know, what you focus on is going to generate feelings in you. But what do you focus on? We're human beings. We have feelings. We have emotions. What do you focus on? Well, I, I, I think I'll continue with this problem. Somehow it's going to change if I keep on looking at this problem. And then I got an inspiration. I, I thought, you know, look at Jesus. And I looked at Jesus immediately. Immediately I felt his reassurance, his encouragement. Nothing's impossible to those who believe. Who do you believe in? It can come up on the screen says, Belief is not that he will do this thing, but belief in him. Whatever this thing is that you're concerned about, that's the problem. That's the possibility. That's the what if. Belief is not that he will do this thing, but belief in him. The disciples asked Jesus, in John 6, 28, 29, they said, therefore, to him, what should we do that we would do the works of God? Jesus answers to them, believe in him whom he has sent. No, Jesus, I, I don't think you understood the question. We're fixed. We're controlled. We, we need to have this fixed. Now, what must we do what about what, what, what works here? He says, believe in me. Bruce talked about this a month ago. You want peace, you get Jesus. You blew it today, you get a redeemer. You sin today, you get his righteousness. You need guidance today, you get his wisdom. You get Jesus. So, who is he to you now? Whatever your circumstances, who is he to you now? He's your all in all. You're looking at the possibilities, you're looking at selfishness, you're looking at your own interests, or are we looking at God's interests? 
the question of faith. Hebrews 11, 6 says, it's probably not going to be up there, it says, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's the reward of those who seek his blessing. No, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not up there. He's the reward of those who seek him. Him. Oh, oh that's too simple. It, you know, there's got to be more to it. No, seek him. He wants to reward each of you and me when we seek him. When Jesus did his miracle, I'm going to give you some examples. They're not up there. But in Matthew 8, verses 5 through 10, write that down, look it up later on. The centurion, Roman soldier, came to him. He said, I've got a stern curtain that's sick. Would you please come here? He said, well, let's go. And the centurion said, no, I also am a man under authority. And, and I have men under authority. I say to the servant, go and go. And I tell his servant to do this and he does that. So basically, Jesus, all you need to do is speak the word. Jesus said this, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great prayer warrior in all of Israel. No, he said, I have not seen such a man of great faith in all of Israel. In Matthew 9, verses 20 to 22, this is a woman who suffered from a hemorrhage. Jesus says, Daughter, take courage. Your prayer life has made you well. No. He said, Your faith has made you well. In Mark 2, verses 3 through 11, when the four men had a paralytic on the stretcher, Jesus was in the house and they couldn't get to the doorway. So these four men took him up on the roof opened up the roof and lowered him down. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And Jesus, seeing their prayer life, no, their faith, said to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. And he was healed. So, I'm talking about faith instead of the prayer life. So what's the point? The point of prayer, and Bruce has talked about this, for me, it's, it's twofold. Number one, to know Him. Sometimes I get a little bit of a revelation of His love. And as a parent, that's where it comes from. That's probably as close as I can get at this point, unless you give me deeper revelations of His love. But I can tell you from my experience, we as a church really don't know His love. And we worship this morning, we talked about it, we, we, we sang about it. But I am confident that God wants to reveal more of His love to each of us. And when we really get it, our prayers are going to be very effective because we're going to be confident that God is the God of love and He wants us to comprehend more and more who He really is. How much He really, really cares for each of us in our circumstances. He wants us to know Him more. In Ephesians chapter 1, this is the Message Bible, verses 15 to 19, 
This is a term, what I call concentration. Sometimes with Jesus Christ, when you've got the possibilities, and you've got the white ass, and you've got the stuff, you concentrate on Him. And you know, the second thing you do is you concentrate on Him. And the third thing you do is you concentrate on Him. I asked I ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally. God invites each of us to know Him personally. And there's different degrees of that. That's just like, I don't really handle His love, but I want to know His love more. I want to know Him more. And you honor that for Because that's what it's all about. He wants each of us to know Him more. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can, so that you see exactly what He is calling you to do. You can see more clearly in His life. You can see more clearly in His presence. So when you're worshiping the Lord, when you're really worshiping the Lord, those things that were heavy on you, they're gone. Because it's His presence. What is He calling you to do? When you pray, what is He calling you to do? What is He asking you to pray about? The more you know Him, the more you're going to understand what He wants you to pray about. Grasp the, the immensity of this glorious way of life He has for His followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust Him. Who trust him? Who believe in him? Who believe in him? Who believe in him? Who trust him? Endless energy, boundless strength. Do we believe in him? Do you know him? To know him. That's why we pray. And for him. His interest. The disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. And in Matthew 6, this is what we call the Lord's Prayer. And he says, in the end of that prayer, he says, this is what I want you to pray. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. See, it's about his kingdom. It's through his power. It's for his glory. Every disappointment is God's appointment. Every door of adversity is a door to know Him more. And whatever your circumstance is, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator, wants to be glorified in your circumstance. Who are you praying for? Guess what? He wants to be glorified in that person. You got a financial problem? Guess what? He is the answer, and He wants to be glorified in your life. Get a health problem? I don't know which way that's going to go. But Jesus Christ wants to be glorified in your health problem. Whatever your circumstance is, don't let that get between you and Jesus. Get it out of the way. He wants you to present that circumstance in your eyes focused on Him. Jesus. you got to mind. You're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The mind's a theater. You can entertain in a theater whatever you want. 
but you can project yourself before the very throne of grace. You can do that. He's giving you a mind. There's nothing mystical about that. Put yourself before the throne of grace. Because he wants to give you grace for what your circumstance is. Whatever your problem is, whoever you're concerned about, God wants to pour his grace into that situation. He wants to be glorified in your service. In Romans 11, 36, For from him and through him and to him are all things. From him, through him, and to him are all things, including your circumstances. To him be the glory forever and ever and ever. Is it going to be your interest, my interest, or is it going to be his interest? He wants you to know him. It's not a gift, it's a for sure. He wants you to know him. You can do that through your relationship, your communication with him. You're listening to him. You're speaking to him. He would love to have you and I know Him more. And He would love to be glorified in your life. Father, I want to thank You for Your Word this morning. I want to thank You for each person here. And Lord, even, even He's sitting here, let them not think this is coincidental. Let them know that they're here for a reason. That You are orchestrating each of our circumstances. You are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You are orchestrating our circumstances that we would know you more. That we would seek you, Lord God. That we would be men and women of faith who believe in you. Who believe and trust in you, Almighty God. That you would be glorified in each of our lives, each of our circumstances. For all things are from you, through you, and to you. To you be the honor and praise and glory. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you.